Got Aloha Dan sitting on the screen to my left, which is a little different than normal. Uh, but welcome in, Dan. Welcome to this week's podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, little, you know, little turmoil in the uh, the old Aloha Dan world. But uh, I've I've always been a little bit hard of hearing, which is why I tend to talk loudly. I don't know if you've noticed that in the ten years you've noticed me. Uh, so I went I've to- barely noticed you in 10 years, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was only the best man at his wedding, folks. That's true. That's true. Only by default. Because I literally have no friends. Yeah, that's fair. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Kendall pays you well to stand there and be a foot and a half taller than me. Anyway, I was going to say... I finally did something finally about did the something fact that I couldn't hear. I went to my ear, nose, and throat doctor. He said my ears were fine, he so he sent me to get an audiogram, which is where they do the hearing test. Hearing test. Turns yeah. out my right ear is moderately deaf. I can only hear 40 decibels and above. Huh. That's excellent. So I might get some surgery on my ear, so I might be able to hear. That's the exciting news of the week. Uh, in Aloha Dan world, as I might be able to hear the murderers sneaking up behind me. <laughs> Maybe, perhaps. And that's in, in the world. And that's how I was going to say, that's a great transition into this week's topic. So we're talking all things crime. We're talking murder. Uh, we're talking uh, Dateline, the TV show. Uh, how to catch a predator with, uh, what's his name? Chris Harrison is what I want to say, but I don't think that's him because... Chris Hansen, there we go. Chris Harrison's the bachelor guy. Uh, he might he might be a predator, though. You never know. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, things like that. We're going to talk all things crime. So strap in, plug in your headphones. This may or may not be something that the whole family could listen to. I'm not really sure where we're going with it. We've got a rough draft of ideas, and we're just going to uh, bullshit our way through this one. So as we commonly do. <laughs> Where are we pointing this time? That's to my my name. Yeah, and mine is to your name as well. Can we? Are we touching? Oh, I think so. I think that's touching yeah. you, <laughs> touching me. We covered this last week. This is boring for the people who are listening. When you it is it is but there was the most listeners that we've had so far in our grand uh, grand three episodes that we've had so there was the most listeners last week we're slowly climbing i'm gonna have to ask you once we're off the podcast how many of that was, was it a thousand three and two of them were me <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh my god. So, jumping into the topic crime. We're going to jump into uh, basically, well, I didn't want to start with this, but I want to get it out of the way first. Uh, Crime. What is like? What is the ultimate crime in your mind? If you had to, let's say, uh, maybe, maybe like tell us a movie that you think a perfect crime was committed in. Like, how about Italian job? Do you think what they did was the perfect crime? Or maybe more like Ocean's Eleven? I, I, 
was going to say, say, my perfect prime, prime I've always prime, wanted to always orchestrate, wanted orchestrate and go through and with, go through like, with a, a bank heist or a casino heist or something. Something white collar you know. I mean, I guess some people do get murdered, so it's not quite. It turns into some of that, you need the blue collar murderers, too. Right, right. Something where it's more finesse than just I think that right exactly yeah I don't think like uh, the um, Ted Bundy's of the world that wasn't really the perfect crime I mean he got away with it for a long time same thing with like the Zodiac killer he got away with his stuff for a long time assuming yeah assuming the uh, Zodiac killers a he never never solved never solved they thought they had the guy but then he died so could have been a woman Killing a bunch of people. You never know. However, statistics would say that the Zodiac Killer's more likely. A white man. Yeah. Specifically a white man. Because there's not a lot of... Richard Ramirez is about the only... few serial killers of color. Comparatively. Yeah. It's interesting. If you watch Mindhunter, it's a phenomenal Netflix show. I haven't gotten into it yet, but I've heard a lot about it. Very good. Very good. Very well done. Very well done. Um, they, 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 the lengths they, they go the to to get actors that look like, like the original serial killers and then the makeup and stuff like that, it's it's very well it's done. Very well done. Uh, uh, very enjoyable. Uh, Would recommend. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, uh, probably in my like middle school, high school days, I watched literally every movie uh, that they had made Hollywood style, of course, the dramatized and and real life documentaries. But like all the murderers, all the murderers, all the serial killers, all that stuff, I was super into it. Um, I don't think what they do though is the perfect crime. No, I wouldn't say so. No, I wouldn't say so. I mean, what would you say the was it was it the Zodiac killer that spanned like three decades? Yeah, he was out there just killing people for 30 years and getting away with it. I mean, granted, it was like the 60s, 70s, and 80s, but no, I, I think I 60s. Say, I, would say, I would say the perfect crime is like an art like an art or a bank robbery bank or something robbery. like that. Yeah, if you've ever watched, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a Hollywood dramatized version, but The Bank Job with Jason Statham, it's a pretty good movie, and it's based on a true event. It's based on a true story. You know, one of my favorite heist favorite movies in recent years is actually Tower Heist with Ben Stiller. With ben Stiller and, yeah. uh, uh, Isn't that Eddie Murphy's comeback? Eddie Murphy and yeah. Alan Alda. Okay. As, as I'm sure many of you... Well, I don't know what our demographics are. But if there's Two of me and one other person. That's our demographic. So, uh, generally, we have a 28-year-old male demographic, and question. Yeah, question mark. Uh, some random Italian guy. Yeah, exactly. Well, he I love MASH. MASH is great. I still watch MASH. It's phenomenal. I love watching MASH when it's on. Me TV or Cozy or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, Me TV. Exactly. It is great. You know what else they show on MeTV that I get into? Johnny Carson. I know that's way off topic, but we're on MeTV now. So. Uh, he could have been to catch a predator. He's another one of those guys that walked a thin line. I could have seen that. 
Or he could yeah. have been a predator. We don't know. Harvey Weinstein, but Johnny Carson. That's true. He could have been Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Yeah. So those those as well, like the Harvey Weinstein's and the. Uh... Yeah, we're gonna get sued by Johnny Carson by Johnny <laughs> I hope I hope Johnny Carson's estate listens. That would just be that would be worth it. That would be worth you know? it. They're like we, Johnny Carson is not a murderer, but we love your And drink Sunny D orange juice because we just gotta plug our sponsors while we're going to jail. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. That's exactly right. That's going to be our most that's publicity be our overall. Most we get maybe like five yeah, listeners. Like five we'll get at least you know a couple. Some thousand. some random podcast that has the hosts of the show listening and no one else um, is being sued by Johnny Car. I can see the uh, the newspaper headline now that no one's going to read because the newspaper's dead. Oh yeah, print is a dying media. Print is a dying media. Yeah. Yep. So okay, back to the subject at hand. Back to murder. Is murder? Though is is murder? What is your perfect crime? You said the tower heist, or I, I think I think I, I just think, a heist in general, something. Heist, something. heist where it's it's, it's, it's well orchestrated, well, well thought out, well thought out. There's a lot of intricate moving pieces, you know, and you, you know, gotta have everyone specialized in their own job, and it's just gotta, and it's all gotta be carried out, gotta be carried out, perfect timing. This could be the naive, the naivete in me speaking, but do you think something? Or someone, I guess, is the better question. Could someone feasibly, like in today's world, pull off like the Italian job? Could they? Could they feasibly orchestrate all of those minute details and pull off a heist of that stature? Or of that stature? Mm-hmm. I, I want to say, say never say never. Because do you how? Let me let me rephrase. Let me shorten that question up. How dramatized do you think that movie was, or is it pretty accurate to what would actually happen? I think it's all very dramatized. I think. Yeah. I think in order to pull off something legitimate like that, especially today, I mean everything is so instantaneous and computerized that I I just don't mm-hmm. think it's possible today. But you never know. Yeah. I I don't want to. There's a, a something that I like to go back to is the theory of large numbers or something like that. I can't remember what exactly. Yeah. But basically, it says that even though there's an infinitesimally small probability that something might happen, there is a chance that it might happen. And so, at some point, at some point in somebody's life somewhere, theoretically, they've opened up the dryer, which has been randomly tumbling their clothes around, and all the clothes are sitting there folded in the dryer. In theory, there's a chance that that might happen somewhere. It's, I mean, a billion times smaller than winning the lottery. The odds of that actually happening. That's why I say never say never about it. I could still see it happening today, and I'm stealing, you know, a couple. Billion dollars. Billion dollars. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's feasible to orchestrate something like that. I mean, what is there? There's like nine people involved in the Italian job that are like specialists in like cracking vaults. There's a specialist in explosives. There's a a driver. There's a. It's. I don't know. It's just crazy. There. It seems like there's nowadays. There's too much. Everybody wants it for themselves. You know what I mean? I think so. It'd be tough to get people to actually work together to split it evenly. Because the, the next heist I was actually going to reference is the Joker in The Dark Knight. Yes. Where he just 
starts killing off the whole crew one by one. Yeah. Or gets them to kill each other. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's it's possible, but it leads me to my next question. <laughs> With uh, the statute of limitations in consideration here, what would you say is your greatest... Uh, how do we phrase this without getting in trouble? Not crime committed, but... Uh, uh, you're walking... You're towing the line very closely. I, I, you were present I, you were for this. Present. Okay, I know, I know where you're going. I, I set you up for the alley oop. I hope you slam this home. You did. Uh, you did. Uh, it was. It, it was when we were down in Lewiston. Yes. Hanging out, visiting out. You know, Kendall's family or. I can't remember. I can't remember. I have no idea. Dinner. Anyway, we were in Lewiston. And it was Sunday and night. Was we Sunday had to be back for the RA weekly meeting <laughs> at the dorms. <laughs> at the dorms. We, left we left Lewiston, Lewiston at like Lewiston 7 o'clock. And I think the meeting started at 8. And I swear, and I swear we got there with like got a, there minute with like spare. a minute to spare. From Lewiston From up to Coral Lane. Up to Coral Lane. How do you Danny the intern here at Google? Yes. I'm glad Danny's sticking around. No kidding. He, he no is kidding. a good he, he is egg. A good it's egg. a 116.1 mile straight up Highway 95, and on average it takes two hours and ten minutes. <laughs> you want to go ahead and tell him how long it took us? I'm pretty sure we made it in under an hour. I think it was like 47 minutes. Yeah, it was insane. I, I was doing 100 most of the way. Uh, or if not 100 and 500. And this was in my matrix where 100 was pushed. My first <laughs> almost that entire drive, going through some of those little towns where the speed limit was like 25, we were cooking through at 50 or 60. <laughs> oh my god. I knew you were going to go with that. That's, I mean, that is, I, I've only sped worse than that a few times afterwards. Uh, and. Uh, one of them was in, uh, of them was in uh, a friend of mine. I borrowed mine, his Chrysler Crossfire for prom. Oh, nice. I asked his wife's Crossfire. I said, what's the fastest you've taken this car? And she wouldn't tell me. I was like, that's smart on her part. But I kept bugging her. I kept bugging her. Finally, she said, I've had it up at 110. So I had to beat 110. <laughs> so I, uh, oh man! I hit one thirty on the connector here in Boise, coming between downtown Boise and my house, which is only a five-mile stretch. Jesus! One thirty was thirty. I'm sure. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Wow! So that's your greatest crime, huh? That's the greatest crime. With statute of limitations in consideration, there may have been something more recently, but I can't you're still can't talk you can't talk about it. You got to sweep those under the rug. Mine's not so much a crime. Mine, um, uh, I don't really know. Actually, I guess it is a crime. I was like, I don't know, twenty, twenty-one. Driving to Lewiston, of all places, right? That first summer we were, Kendall and I were together, and um, I got pulled over. And it doesn't sound like anything. I was going like 10 over on the highway, on the Washington side though, so I was cutting through Colfax, and then jumping back over to 
the Lewiston sign, Pullman and then Lewiston. And uh, didn't think anything of it. Next week, drove down, paid my ticket in Colfax, came back. It was pretty simple, right? Nothing nothing crazy. I wasn't doing 100 in like a 60 or anything like that. Um, fast forward 18 months. Oh, wait. It had to have been longer than that. 18... It was at least probably two and a half years. It had to have been like two years. Yeah, two and a half years. Something like that. And um, I go into Parker to buy... I was looking at this little pickup, this little truck. And I was like, yeah, I can... You know, it's pretty pretty good commuter car or whatever. I go in and like run the paperwork and stuff like that. And the guy's like, I can't sell you a car. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, is it because I'm white? <laughs> he he didn't like that response but now he goes um it's actually because you're on a suspended license and i was like what like why and he goes uh it's an unpaid traffic vi- or a uh, yeah traffic violation yeah it was a moving violation moving violation yeah so i was like what are you talking about i haven't been pulled over in years and he goes you're suspended man so I go back down to Colfax and say, hey, I paid you guys, right? Like, your computer system should show this so I can get out of this and go buy the vehicle I want to buy. They were like, we have no record of you paying anything. There's there's no record. And I'm like, I 100% paid. 100%. Without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. So what I proceeded to do was strangle every... I'm just kidding. I didn't strangle anyone in the office. But... I wanted to, I wanted to, and I was like, whatever, whatever. So, repaid the ticket, repaid it second time. Probably paid a bunch. Come of late back. Fees. There was tons of late fees. It was like, I don't know, two hundred something dollars in late fees. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got to do it to clear my record. Whatever. You have to also, in the state of Washington, reinstate your license. I don't know if it's the same in Idaho. I've never had a suspended license in Idaho, but <laughs> you you have to reinstate your license. So I go to Spokane Licensing Place, and um, I go in there. I'm standing. I think you were with me. I was, in fact. Yeah. I yeah, I think you were with me, and I went in and told her what happened, and she was like, oh my gosh, let's get that reinstated, whatever, swipes my card. She goes, oh my, it didn't work for some reason, like it it didn't scan it, and I was like, okay, all right, well, we'll run it again, because I need my license, right? You kind of need that for a lot of things. She runs it again, I head out, license in hand, get in the car, and I'm like, I got charged twice. I looked at the bank statement and I'm like, I got charged twice. So I walked back in before we left, talked to the lady and she's like, this is a state run licensing place. You have to go to the Capitol. You have to get a hold of the Capitol to get your money. And I'm like, oh, there's another person I'm going to strangle. The list is growing. (laughs) Which is Olympia is like three and a half, four hours from Spokane. And I'm in Coeur d'Alene. So it's got to be closer to five at least. And it's and it's nowhere. Like it's in the middle of nowhere. There's just Olympia in the middle of the state. Anyway. I called them. I literally was on hold for like forty minutes. Never got a hold of them. Never they never responded. They never emailed. They never called me back. Nothing. So I was like, sweet. Ate that ninety six dollars or whatever it was. So it was After now I'm already oh. lost a bunch to a parking ticket. 
to a parking ticket. I paid like $200 in overages. Then I lost $96 for paying twice on renewing my license. And then um, I feel like that's not the end of the story, but it might be. I don't know. But that's that's like the... My large, my large crime, I would say, at the in the, to cap this all off, to put the icing on the cake, I drove around on a suspended license for two years, so that was cool. If I had been pulled over once, I probably would have gone to jail. So you would have, yeah. You would have, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'd have to ask our uh, friends in the police department if, uh, if in fact that would be true. It was two years, so the longer you go on a suspended license. Is it is it all just one crime? Like, if you drive on a suspended license for a day or two years, is it all just driving on a suspended license? Or is it, like, how long you... you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, what if I did it for seven years? Statute of limitations, right? Like, can I just get my license back? Or is it a statute of limitations for every single day? So like, oh, yeah. So it's seven years from that day, but it's, like, click the movie where he just rewinds and goes back. Every single day, every one day, every one. Huh. I don't know, but that's my that's my greatest crime. I drove around on a suspended license for two years, so and I'm still here to talk about it. After the moving violation. Moving violation. And uh, Yeah. And so so the moving violation. Moving violation. I got yeah, I got busted initially for going I think fifty five and a forty five. So it wasn't even like it was I should have made it worth it. I should have made it like a hundred and a forty five. Seriously, if you're gonna drive around on a suspended license for two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, I've been, so that was my greatest crime. I, I've been pulled over quite a few times. For I could imagine. Things, but I still have yet to get a ticket. Uh, your wife has been in the car uh, once when I got pulled over. We were drifting around in the snow in my matrix up, uh, right off campus. Got pulled over. Uh, didn't get a ticket then. Uh, the dumbest time I've gotten pulled over was in uh, Montana, going between uh, Missoula and Boise. Uh, there's a stretch of road where there's a sign that literally says 99 miles windy road. And I think it's going over the pass right there, Lolo Pass. But anyway, yeah. I'm going over the pass and come down the other side or something. I'm on this 99 miles of windy road. Cop pulls out in front of me. It's like 8 in the morning. I'm hung over as shit. And I've got to be back in Boise. And I just don't want to deal with anything. Cop pulls out in front of me. Speed limit's 55. I'm doing like 50. Like I'm not worried. I'm just driving. Just trying to keep my eyes on the road. This cop then pulls over. And lets me pass him. And I'm like, oh, okay. He must be like flipping a UE or something going around. Because we were the only two on the road. Only two cars for like a half hour. Or this cop and me. So then, instead of turning around, he pulls in right behind me. And he tails me for about five or ten miles. And this whole time, I'm like, what is happening? And then finally, his lights flip on. So I go, oh, okay, now he must have gotten a call. Because I still hadn't been speeding the entire time. Cop behind me. Like, I'd be an idiot. I mean, I am an idiot. But I'd have to be more of an idiot. Anyway. He flips his lights on, so I just pull over into the shoulder for a second. I'm like, he must have gotten a call. And he pulls in behind me, and I'm like, are you serious, dude? So I finally find a little, you know, slow spot or a slow vehicle turnout. I pull in, and the officer walks up to my car. It's like 9 a.m. at that point, still hungover. 
And he's like, do you know why I pulled you over? Officer, for the life of me, I don't have the slightest clue. He said, because you, I caught you speeding. He's like, he goes, you know how fast you're going? And I was like, I don't know, like 57, 58? He said, that's exactly right. I caught you doing 58 in a 55. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Like, I get it if you're bored and lonely. Like, pull me over and we can chat and shoot the shit for a little bit. But like, You could bullshit. We could, and that's number two. Anyway. Like, no, I, I just could not believe it. Yeah, Anyway, again, I did not get a ticket. Still to this day, I have not ever gotten a speeding Knock on wood. That's incredible. Can I tell you the dumbest crime I've ever committed? Please do. Please do. The dumbest crime I've ever committed. I was going to school at Spokane Falls Community College for one year after high school. I hated every minute of it. Hated every minute of it. But, but, they have diagonal parking spots in their parking lot. Yeah. yeah. And there, it was busy. I showed up to class. You know, I, I went on time and everything when I was a good student. <laughs> and uh you know how there's like if you pull through into a spot you know what the, you know what i'm talking about like you pull forward into the spot right in front yeah. and i was uh i had pulled through so when i go to leave class i could just pull out and, and i don't have to back out or anything well no if you turn so how it was set up if you turn right you were going the right way and yeah, left you would have gone but you have to turn around the car that's next to you, so you have to make a big white turn. True. Anyway, True. Neither here nor there. Never mind that fact. The dumbest crime I committed, apparently, according to the uh, security guards at Spokane Falls Community College, was that I parked against the flow of traffic. $25 parking ticket. $25. Guess who has yet to pay said parking ticket? <laughs> That was literally 10 years ago. 10 years ago, yeah. I can never enroll in class there, there ever again. Diploma. I'm sure. If I'm sure, but... have gone there for more than one year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was like, I am not paying that. I, was not, I wasn't taking up four spots like the dudes in the Mustangs do. I wasn't... I wasn't... I literally was parked with my nose of my car facing the wrong direction. $25? Get out of here. Go out of business, Spokane Falls. Go out of business. I, I have a question for you, actually. Okay. I need to know your opinion. Because you talked about the Mustangs that take up four spaces. Yeah. Is there any point at which a vehicle driver is allowed to take up more than one space because their car truly is that nice? Do you believe that there's any reason that somebody should be allowed more than one parking space? Other than if, like, their vehicle is literally too big. Yeah, the only time that I think it's okay to take up, like, two or four or five parking spaces, like, think of a truck with, like, a boat trailer or something like that at the grocery store. I don't know why you drag your boat to the grocery store, but if they park out in the back of the parking lot and take up, like, three spots or whatever, two, three spots, that's fine. I get that. What about, like, if a really nice brand new, like, BMW or Mercedes or something does it? What about that? No, just park further out. Just like park your car in the back of the parking lot and Uber to the front door. I don't care. Okay, <laughs> like, what about, let's go even nicer. What about a Lamborghini? 
I don't care. Park in the back. <laughs> Park in the delivery ramp where all the semis drop stuff off. All right, all right, fair enough. So at no point do you think it's okay for a normal-sized car to take up more than one spot? No My what. favorite is when they plow the snow to the end of the parking lot and the dudes in the jacked up trucks feel it's necessary to back up or like pull their nose up onto it. In in this case, I can't, but I would love to print out some business cards that say something along the lines of sorry about your penis or something like that. And I would slip it under their windshield wiper just so they have a lovely love note to come back to. You have to like get them laminated it's gonna be oh yeah they make they make like high resolution like uh card stock or something like that you know so i got a I got a guy i got a guy that can print me up some pretty pretty awesome business cards if you want some for boise we could get some we could maybe put, they could sponsor us we could put our bullshitters logo on the bottom right hand corner Just we'll like, say sorry about your penis and then bullshitters subscribe now <laughs> please like and subscribe <laughs> oh that would be perfect that would be great. That would be great. Wouldn't actually listen. But maybe their friends who think they're a douche as well would be like, yeah, these guys know what's up. They're funny. Was it you? Who was it? Someone when we were in school, someone in their car, a nice car or something, parked in like two spots, and they and our friend outlined them in chalk and said, was it? It was Chris Shveda. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's he, right. It, it was after school had already gone out. We were all, all the RAs stayed for about an extra week packing up. And the whole parking lot was empty. And Chris just came in, he had a piece of shit car, and he just parked, and he was in like four spots. It was amazing. Just a regular sedan in a full size parking lot. He managed to take up four spots in an entirely empty parking lot where there's no reason to just park. Anywhere but Anywhere the spot closest to the door. <laughs> so I took the chalk that was in the RA office and I outlined his car and I wrote asshole parking behind it. And he hated me for that. He sent me a scathing text message that said, you know what, I was just so fucking tired. And like, I, I didn't even think about it. I just wanted to get home and get to my bed. He was was hissed. hissed. So, so we we are still we, not, we are friends, still to not friends to this day. <laughs> to me, to me, that's a crime on him for not parking considerate. You know, being considerate of others. How hard is it to stay between the lines? When there's there's eight people still parking in this lot. It's a full size lot meant for about two hundred cars. Yeah. And it's like, we it's all like already we had all designated already spots had anywhere, spots anywhere, as, anywhere RAs. as RAs. But the last but RA the spot, last wasn't wasn't spot wasn't as close as the spot near the, the door. Spot near the door. It was just like, and just cracked in there. And then I imagine him trudging in. I trudging in. I had a bad day. I had a bad day. In his crisp way. Yeah, blow off some steam. Blow off some steam. That's what this is for. Ten-year-old, ten-year-old, uh, you know, hatred. Just let it flow. Yeah, I had not thought about him in probably about ten probably years about since, 10 that <laughs> since that text message. That was the last was the bit last of attention I ever paid to Chris He's probably the one listening from Italy. <laughs> God damn it.
have it, Dan. I just alienated our only subscriber. Great. I can't subscribe. I'm just going to start creating channels everywhere and subscribing yeah. to our stuff. Oh, man. We can, we can get okay. a, a click farm out in India to just invent like a thousand users and subscribe. That's true. We could do that. We could very well do that. Um, let me ask you this. You asked about the parking like an asshole. What about... What do you think the female infatuation with true crime shows is? I swear, whether it's a procedural cop show like Blue Bloods or NCIS or CSI, something on TV, or it's uh, like a documentary style thing on Netflix, uh, murderers, it could be about Ted Bundy, the Ted Bundy cases, Richard Ramirez, stuff like that. What What is it that... It's got to be scientific something. I don't, don't get me wrong. I don't mind watching those. But if there's something on in our house that's not sports, it's literally crime related. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know, I, I was just, I was thinking about that, you know, what, knowing we were going to do a, a, a true crime podcast, if you will. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, I don't because know. there's a lot. Because there's a lot about true crime. Right. You know, there's, you know, there's just some some kind of some, sick some kind fascination, of sick fascination with, with having, having knowing that terrible things happen out there, but they don't happen they to don't you. Happen and like it, it's kind of like, like a train wreck. Like you can't look away, right? Can't look away, right? Nobody actually. I could absolutely look away from a train wreck. Nobody wants to nobody see, wants to you know, see, right? You know, two drunk people two drunk fighting people at the bar. But at the same time, you're kind of like, you're like, you're like, idiots. idiots. It's the same thing with true crime podcasts. podcasts. Women are like, this bitch, she was, she was out there and she was at the bar by herself and she wasn't watching her drink and she got and murdered. And then now there's this, um, I don't know if fascination is the correct word, but now everyone thinks that they're going to get roofied and murdered. And be on a Dateline episode where, as in my shoes, I feel that my lady has watched enough true crime stuff to actually be the one committing the crimes and get away with it. it, it, it she knows the ins crazy. and outs. Yeah. She knows every episode how they're going to get caught for what they do. So she's going to do the exact opposite to get away with the crime or at least get away with it longer. Yeah, I agree. They, See? I, agree. I think it's like research. It's like market research. It's like why I watch sports and like seeing the stats and blah, blah, blah. I watch all these stupid stats in baseball like launch angle. No one gives a shit about the angle in which you hit the ball. But it does correlate with the amount of power you have, the home runs you hit, all this stuff. Anyway, that's for another another episode. But it's the same thing. It goes from a morbid curiosity of like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. So then it goes to how can I, you know, avoid these situations and protect myself to even beyond that, it becomes I could do this myself and get away with it because I have learned from all these things. So, But historically speaking, there's only been like probably a handful of what you could consider female serial killers. Maybe because they're so good, they're not getting caught. That could be. Yeah, plenty of men die every single day 
under questionable circumstances and you know health health related reasons exactly and they exactly. never they, they always need to look need into to the look wife into or the ex or the ex-wife or the girlfriend or the girlfriend there's always yeah or sometimes or it's combination yeah and then let me let me uh take it one step further those procedural cop shows like um, elementary or blue bloods or any of that where do the thoughts of the writers come from that write those scenarios for those shows are they serial killers if you can think like that then you must i mean what separates them from those who actually follow through with their crime they can only write serial killers that always get caught it's that's the true who write serial killers that don't get caught they're the real serial they actually could be like a, what if they're like the leader of a serial killer ring and they front by having tv shows made in hollywood well, i'm basically that's just that's just charles manson isn't it? well i mean wasn't he supposedly a singer i think he wanted to like be a country singer and then the word on the street is the beach boys or something took his music yeah, something like yeah, that. Something I forget. Like that. Was it the Beach Boys? I don't know. Somebody, uh, we'll have Danny the we'll Danny Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was the Beach Boys used literally word for word one of his songs before copyright was a thing. And they made millions on it. And Charles, or, yeah, Charles Manson? Yeah, was like livid. So then he started a cult because he was so mad that copyright didn't exist. He, he claims that the Beatles' White Album... Uh, had included uh, had hidden included messages hidden inspiring, inspiring him to kill. Plus the oh, okay. the, uh, the White Album, the White Album kill. Oh, uh, excuse oh, me. When uh, Manson was released Manson from prison in 1967, 1967, he tried to make it big in San Francisco as a musician. He befriended, he befriended Dennis Wilson of the Beach Boys. That's what I thought. To the group. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's weird. It's I. I don't know, but then you hear about these other things like, I'm not going to, uh, no judgments being passed, but cults that are started. If you've ever listened to one of my favorite podcasts is the last podcast on the left. Those guys are hilarious, but they bring up true like cult leaders and stuff like that. How can you run a cult and get people to do all of this without it? Like they always like sacrifice people and stuff like that. That's just murder. How do they get away with that stuff? When it's so tightly wound in those scenarios, like at Waco, Texas, or yeah, like any of these, you know, different cults that have been formed, it's like, and I, I don't know if you've watched the docu series on Waco. It is really well done. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look it up. Six episodes or so. If you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. Great show, great very show, well done, very well great done. actors, great definitely, actor. watch definitely watch it. But, but the standoff lasted standoff for so long that Waco so was like 57 days or something. Because the people would rather stay in it and stay a part of the quote-unquote cult than they would you know, surrender themselves to the authorities because they essentially they didn't want to get persecuted for polygamy, which is... The main crime, the main crime, persecuting branch of idiots. It wasn't until right. later they found all the weapons. 
But anyway, they're but like, anyway, they're like we, we would rather stay in and be a part of this than this, go out than into go out the real into world. world. Like, we've invented our own way of living here in this cult. And they've convinced, and they've convinced themselves, themselves that that way of living that way is, better is better than the rest than of the world. So they're like, no, we don't want to leave. We'd rather die here or listen to this guy and kill ourselves than go back to real life. It's just insane that... I mean, it takes literally years to be a cult leader and plant the seed into these people's heads to get them to think the way they do, act the way they do, fulfill prophecies, if you will. But it's like, in today's world, that's still happening. That sounds like something biblical, like something very, very old school. And it still happens more, probably right under our freaking noses. I'm sure there's cults in Boise and in like I won't say that it's a cult, but up here there's literally a North Idaho like essentially a KKK. It's a white supremacy cult basically. They literally have they advertise on community boards with posters for like ice cream socials and like come meet the team and stuff like that and it's all like fun and but it literally says like yeah, it's like Nazi militia, and I'm like, uh, I'm not gonna bring my kid to your militia party. That's what they want you to do. They want you to do. They want you to bring your kids in. But why is why is forming a cult not a crime? Because they because the judicial system knows it leads to crime more often than not. More often than not, but there's probably a lot of cults out there that just work out great, and nobody hurts anyone else, and they just are weirdos that believe. I mean, you could argue that organized religion in any form is a cult, you know, whether it's True. Catholicism, whether it's, you know, Hindu, Islam, Sikh, you know, Mormonism, yeah. or just non-denominational Christian, you could argue mm -hmm. that that's a cult too. So not, not all cults per se are bad. That's true. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. So, to kind of put the bow on the females being obsessed with true crime uh, docs and stuff like that, it's just ingrained? Is that what we're saying? Like, it's in their DNA to be fascinated by the, the disaster that is that doesn't involve them? I, I mean, I think it is because if, if you even go further back, you know, like... You know, like women were the hunter-gatherers, right? Gather, men were the, you know, the protectors, and they went out and they gathered, you know, they killed animals, and they fought wars, and the women stayed home with the children, right? So they haven't necessarily seen the horrors of man, you know, as an entire, as an entire, you know, gender. Like, women have usually been historically sheltered, I would say. So now the fact so that all of this information is so readily so available readily into available the true the depth and depth depravity and of what of mankind, mankind, you know, can, you know, can be, be, it's interesting. It's so interesting. maybe, maybe that, yeah. has, maybe that has, I don't know. That's, that was just a theory that popped into my head, but it kind of got me thinking just now, this thought just popped into my head. Think about like when there's a wreck in the middle of the street, like it just happened. Cops are pulling up, redirecting traffic. What is everyone doing? you got to look stopping and looking it doesn't even matter it doesn't matter if you're in a hurry to go to work it doesn't matter if you're out for a sunday drive it doesn't matter if you're 16 it doesn't matter if you're 80 you're gawking you're turning your head and gawking to see what happened at the, at the crash could be nothing 
Could be just two yeah. cars stopped in traffic because the first car died and the second one is jumping them. And there wasn't even an accident. But everybody has to stop and look. Because there's so many possibilities. It could have been a rear-ender or it could be it's someone that's stranded or it could be, you know, some pedestrian got hit in the crosswalk or it could be... There's so many possibilities that I think are put into our heads from, like, those cop shows and stuff like that that it's, like... What is the likelihood that someone got, let's just say, zapped by lightning crossing the street? Probably, probably pretty small, but we've seen it on TV probably a hundred times, and now people think it's way more possible than it really is. Well, that's like the same thing like when you were a kid growing up, you thought that, you know, quicksand was going to be a hell of a lot bigger deal than it is. It, you know? Have you ever dealt with quicksand? Dealt I've dealt with quicksand, quicksand dealt one quicksand time, in my life. time in my life. And it I don't even, even know where you find quicksand. It, it couldn't even be considered real quicksand. It was just a very sandy area that was very wet. So some of the sand, you know, was a little bit. But it was only this deep. So you could get your shoes stuck in. That's all that happens. Like, and we all thought we were going to get gobbled up and just die in our crypts of quicksand. In the freaking Amazon rainforest, swinging through trees on a vine and fall into a pit of quicksand and need our buddies to, like, fish us out. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Mummy and Mummy Returns and all that fun stuff. See, Hollywood puts all these thoughts in our head and then they're, and then we're like, Oh, no, it's okay. I can go watch that rated R movie because I'm 17 now. So I don't need, I don't need a parent to buy me the ticket. So, so that begs the question. Is murder being popular just perpetuating more and more interest in murder? Like, cause back let me 60s, okay. Back in the sixties, all you had was like Columbo, and Columbo yeah. was a detective show, but very rarely was it like gruesome murders. Columbo is epic because they're two-hour episodes. They are two-hour. They're like a full-length movie every Peter, week. Peter Falk was amazing. Yes, that was that was a great show. So, you had, like, the old, you know, like, procedural crime dramas, like, in the 50s or the 40s. Dragnet. Yeah, Dragnet, whatever. And then you moved yeah. into, like, Columbo. And then you moved into, like, even in the 70s, like, what? They had Hawaii Five O, and they had... Uh, yeah. Hawaii Five O, and, uh... I think that's, like, Miami Vice and stuff's uh, 80s, but still. Magnum P.I., Miami Vice. Oh, yeah, Magnum P.I. and... Well, yeah, Chips. Chips. Well, I was going to say quantum leap, but that wasn't really, yeah. That was more of a sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so, Adam 12. Has murder become more socially acceptable to like, talk about? All this gruesome stuff. Have we always had this morbid curiosity? It's just that what's becoming acceptable to actually talk about now? Because you, you, you know never what? Talk about murder. Like, if your neighbor got murdered in the 1930s, like you would never, like you would a, never you a, you wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. If you ever did, it would be in very hushed tones. Mm hmm. Um, oh, right. It was so horrible. It was terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that. Well, now it's almost it's almost getting to a point where it's like the Datelines and the true crime documentaries and stuff like that. They're almost predictable. Because people have seen these scenarios so often that people they're getting bored with. That's why they're having to do true crime now. Or they say like, because 
Back when I was in high school, my parents literally only watched Blue Bloods, CSI, uh, the new Hawaii Five-0. Um, what else was on back then? Law and Order. Yeah, Law and Order. I mean, a lot of CSIs, like The Mentalist. The Mentalist, yeah, stuff like that. That's all my parents watched. Same here. Because those were the big, the big shows. But now it's turned into, those are predictable. So we gotta see what real psychopaths did back in the '80s, the '90s, the 2000s, whatever. And it's like, when does it stop? Because now people are getting bored with murder, so now they want to go into whatever cult, satanic rituals. They want to follow, like, the Charles Mansons of the world. They want to see the true story of true whatever, you know. Ever, ever were out there and mm-hmm. what they did in real life, what they did to actual people, whether it yeah. was, you know, a war criminal from, like, I don't know, the World War Two days or yeah. just a drug lord or something like that that would just, just butcher people, you know. That's the other thing now that's becoming big. I mean, they're making all kinds of shows on Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and stuff about peddling drugs over the border and and all kinds of stuff like that. That's it's yeah, it's just getting to a point where it's it doesn't surprise people anymore. Like Breaking Bad was one of the most popular shows ever, and isn't it? I haven't watched it. I've tried numerous times, but isn't it a substitute teacher that makes meth? He's a chemistry teacher. He wasn't a sub, but yes. He, oh, okay. He literally cooks meth, uh, runs a drug empire at one point in like Tucson, Arizona or something like that. And I mean, kills, like the first season, he kills people and literally dissolves them in acid. And he's the good guy in the show. People that watch that think he's like a hero. Yeah. it's it's. I'm like... What the? Or what about Dexter? That dude is literally a crime scene investigator that's a murderer by night. A serial killer by night. And twisted, like, really, really, you know, messed up killing. You ever seen, uh, oh, God, a law-abiding citizen, Gerard Yes. And Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, exactly right. That has, to this day, the most, like, gruesome what i would consider the most gruesome torture scene ever when he's got that guy strapped to the table with a mirror above him he's like completely naked he literally cuts his eyelids off so he can't close his eyes and he just tortures the shit out of this guy i mean he hasn't hooked up to ivs so he doesn't die like pumping in like morphine and saline and all like blood transfusions also he can torture him for longer like, yeah. That's yeah. Great movie. And that's in someone's head. Those yeah. thoughts are in someone's head. Somebody wrote that down and convinced Gerard Butler that, like, hey, this is a good career move for you. Like, you, right. you know, you've, you've been doing the, like, you know, silly Australian, like, foreign, like, foreign. No, you're going to be a freaking wicked serial killer. Yeah. Now, yeah. He was, now, he was, he was justified, he was justified for, it for it because they did they break in and kill the entire family at the start of the movie. When did... We're talking TV and dark TV shows and stuff now. When did that transition happen? When did it become okay to show darker and darker things on... Because t- now it's regular. Like, if you don't have a dark show, it doesn't get ratings. True. 
You, you when did that comedy or just go really dark, really dark with it? I mean, one of the one of the shows I really really like is Ozark, and it's weird to see Jason Bateman in a serious, very serious money laundering drug circle role. It's weird. No, that, that is a really good one. And the uh, the pastor in that one from the first season, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, I don't remember the actor's name now. Yeah, I'm, I, I'll have Danny the intern look him up. But uh, I'm trying to remember. He was uh, also a comedic actor for a lot of the stuff that he had done. Mm-hmm. Danny the intern, you suck right now. Uh, <laughs> he's getting a pay. He's getting a pay reduction. He is going to get pay decrease. Let me tell you. From free to less than free, he actually owes us. He pays us to work. He's our first sponsor. If we want to look at it that way. Yeah, that's, that's exactly how I would look at it. Danny the intern is nice enough to sponsor us. Uh, here we go. He is, no, not Ruth Langmore, not Jacob Snow. Uh, Michael Mosley is his name. He played Mason okay. Young. Yeah. yeah, his name is Michael Mosley, and he was in, like, Sirens, which was a USA show. I don't know if you ever saw that. The Paramedic Show. That was it. I loved Sirens. Yeah. He was in the reboot of Scrubs when they did that. Okay. Uh, Apparently, he, Apparently he, was he was in Brooklyn Nine-Nine for an episode. But yeah, I mean, notorious comedic actor goes to a really interesting dark role. And I think I think he does it really well alongside Jason Bateman. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It, it's interesting to see. But like like I said, when did, when did that TV become okay? Because if you think back like 10 years ago, no way could any of these TV shows have been on TV. But now... With the introduction of Netflix and Hulu and the uncensored, you know, I, I don't know if it's not as regulated by the FCC or whatever, but they can pretty much show and do whatever they want because they're a private platform. Yeah, they can put on, I mean, I, I legitimately think if uh, platforms like HBO or AMC or something wanted to stream like full-on pornography, I think they probably could because it's like, well, you pay for this content if you don't like the content we're putting out. Unsubscribe. Right. Unsubscribe. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's just because Game of Thrones. I mean, there was some pretty intense sex scenes in that, and then some pretty gruesome murders too. Lots of gruesome murders. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite shows. It's one of my favorite shows. I remember you used to, to not to tangent completely, but just for. A brief left turn. You talked yeah. about Game of Thrones. You were watching from like what season two? I watched season one. I had season one when I moved into the dorms at NIC. Okay. So I had it on box set, and I don't own any shows. I own like three shows on box set. But you were watching from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. you kept telling me. And finally, when season seven was coming out, I started season one. I watched all the way yeah. up. I finished the whole thing. Uh, up till the end of season seven, right as season eight started. So I watched season eight live that entire year. Yeah. The rest of the world was watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was wild for sure. That's a that's a wild show, and and you're right. Just the you know 
Game of Thrones not only had to be so complex to keep the viewers entertained, but there had to be nudity, there had to be violence, there had to be... Lots of blood, lots of guts. A lot of blood and murder and betrayal. And it's like, when you compare that to the most popular show of the 1960s, we'll have Danny look that up, but I mean, it was probably like the honeymoon. Uh, Gunsmoke? Oh, yeah. Probably Gunsmoke, the Western. Something like that. Uh, looks like, looks like um, my favorite Martian is, is on there. Okay. I've never even heard of that. Days of Our Lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like Gilligan's Island. That was incredibly popular, and it was only four seasons long, I believe. Oh, okay. Adam West Batman, gotcha. Oh, there was also I Dream of Jeannie was out then. Uh, the that was pretty good. Yeah. Love Boat? Oh, The Man from Uncle. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Oh, The Beverly Hillbillies. I didn't talk about that. That was 1962, and that was a very popular show. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Penny. Andy Griffiths. That started in 1960. That was extremely popular. Yep, still has at least one viewer daily uh, today in today's world. That would be my wife's dad. My father-in-law watches it daily. Yes. I could, I could see that. The Rifleman uh, started in 1958. Okay, Chuck Connors. Fun fact, did you know Chuck Connors? I believe, don't quote me, he was a professional baseball player. Major League Baseball player and actor. But yeah, compared yeah, those compared shows those to like shows what to we like have what today, we that's, have popular, today that's popular. I mean, I mean, you would you literally would give somebody literally a heart attack, somebody a heart attack, attack put on one, one of our shows today, in you know, 1956. Right. There would be people running, running and screaming, and covering, and their eyes, covering their eyes, covering their children's ears. Children's ears. Like it, it would be like considered it would be so crass and vulgar, but on just what we consider pretty normal. Pretty normal. Right. Right. Yeah. No. It's it's crazy. I don't know. I don't know where the line dr is drawn now. Like what 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 is next? How how does how does TV and movie develop from where it's at now? Where, where do we go from here? Because they've really pretty much gone about as dark, gruesome, and bloody as I would want them to go. Like I don't. Right. You can only have nudity up to a point before then it legitimately does become just pornography. So you can't keep yeah. going that direction. The gratuitous violence of like the Saw movies is just too much. You know, that's, mm -hmm. I would never even consider that even close to the perfect crime. That's just insane. Jigsaw is a psychopath. Right. Right. So what's next? Begs the question. Yeah. Well, that just got me thinking why this kind of goes back to what we just talked about but why do i don't know if you've seen the ted bundy files or anything on netflix or the night stalker documentary i saw the uh dramatization where uh high school musical boy zach efron played yeah and it was not as good as the actual ted bundy files i'm sure it wasn't but it was actually pretty good i still enjoyed that yeah I need to watch that version because I've heard. But people were all mad when that came out because, oh, Zac Efron, he's so attractive, blah, blah, blah. Ted Bundy, and they said the same about Richard Ramirez, 
We're very, very, uh, I don't know, like chick magnets, for lack of a better term. Yeah, they were leading men. They were classically handsome, and they knew how to attract women. Why do women... They would go bananas if they saw Richard Ramirez or uh, Ted Bundy or any of these guys. Does that does that go back to that fascination with like things they know they can't have? I mean, I mean potentially. Wow, Richard Ramirez, really? This guy is. Uh, he got. If you're looking up his like his like mug shot, he got his teeth done in jail. He got haircut and sharply dressed. I mean, he was a totally different person when he went into jail than he was in jail. I guess. You'll have to watch the Night Stalker documentary on Netflix. It's pretty good. It's a four-part. What's that? He's still in jail, I hope. No, he's dead. He died of uh, liver cancer or something. Kidney cancer. Something like that. In jail. Yeah, he's much more uh, attractive coming out of jail. Yeah, which is weird. They pay. Who paid for him to have the new grills? Who paid for him to have those new clothes and... Haircuts and I, I mean, it, I mean, it had to be like this. The like prison this. only gives you certain like haircuts, right? You can't just go in and ask for like a professional style. Shouldn't they just buzz your head? That's it. That's all you get. You're a prisoner. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are, man. I have no, I have no clue. You don't get braces in prison. No. Right. Right. That's what I thought. And food. And sometimes water. All right, so this this leads me to my next question. If you were to commit your your ultimate crime, whatever it may be, some kind of heist or whatever that we touched on in the very beginning, but let's say you got caught. Let's say you got caught. What is your, one, are you going to try to escape prison? Or two, what is your final meal before you get the chair or uh, firing squad or whatever? Uh, no, I would not try and escape. I am not. You would not. I, 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 but if you're a heist, if you're able to pull off a heist, you can escape prison. I Piece of cake. I'm not able to pull off a heist. That's true. That's why you're in prison. Got it. Exactly. Um, no, I think, first of all, if I were to get caught for something, it would have to be a white-collar crime. Bernie Madoff type, like, embezzling or something like that. I would not ever get caught for a violent crime. And that's why I say, like, <laughs> Can I throw a curveball at you? Him. Him. Is Dogecoin embezzling? No. There's no. nothing. Is it not a Ponzi scheme? Someone owns that. Someone started that. Same with Bitcoin. And it, yeah, but there's no. None of okay, them. There's so no value no behind any behind cryptocurrency any whatsoever. Bitcoin is worthless. Dogecoin is worthless. So how is starting and launching and publicly trading Dogecoin different than what Bernie Madoff did? I, it, I, it, because people are Bernie Madoff just told people, I will give you your money plus some, and then he would continue borrowing money from other people to pay people. Yes, that is exactly what Dogecoin is. No, 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 no. That's a Ponzi scheme where people are misled. In Dogecoin... Dogecoin, there's no, there's no way. 
No, oh no, no, my god. Because people voluntarily take their own money and they're like, I believe that there is some value and some ability for me to make money from Dogecoin. So I'm going to invest in it. Most of the time you lose money. Would that not be the same mindset as Bernie Madoff, an old businessman coming to your door and saying, hey, there's a chance you're going to make money. You know what? In fact, I'm going to give you 125% of your investment that was, six that was months after. It was a guarantee. Was a guarantee. He, lied he lied to people and was guaranteeing, I can pay you this much. Dogecoin, there's Dogecoin, nobody there's selling nobody it to you. you. Somebody started Dogecoin. Sure, somebody sure, sure, owns sure. Somebody started Dogecoin. But it's not like there's somebody coming to your door like, hey, can we interest you in uh, a thousand coins of Dogecoin at 25 cents a piece? Like, no. Okay. So, so it was a crime to be misled by Bernie Madoff. Yeah. But when I'm misled at a car dealership, it's not a crime? When they tell me it's the best car that you can get for that money and that it's going to get the best gas mileage that you can get... There's, but then there's, all of that falls through. Once the sale is final, they don't give a damn. They, they, you're right. They don't give a damn. That's the same thing. There's a big difference between uh, uh, full-on lying and stretching the truth in the eyes of the law. There's a lot of gray area. <laughs> okay. Explain it to me. Well, I, I, I am a naive know. little boy that lives under a rock. I don't understand anything. I, I'm not a lawyer by any means. And I'm not even that bright. But what I will say is uh, there in advertising, like take, for example, organic. Do you know what organic means in the eyes of like the Food and Drug Administration? Lay it on me. Absolutely fucking nothing. Organic literally just means twice the price because there is almost zero verification for a company to put organic on a label. Almost none. And yet the products are twice the price and we somehow have convinced ourselves that organic is better. It's the same thing when a salesman sells you the, you know, Toyota Camry instead of the Ford, you know, Fusion or whatever it is. Yeah. He's selling me an organic car. Exactly. He's telling you something that is statistically proven to be true but here's the thing about statistics you can make them say whatever you want them to say you can paint any picture with stats i know that firsthand with sports 100 percent. and so that's all he's doing is he's bending the truth enough painting a picture of whether it's statistics whether it's you know because if he says yes this is the most reliable car out there there's some statistic somewhere that somebody published whether it's just some piece of shit you know leaflet pamphlet that somebody published that says the you know ford pinto is the most reliable car ever made there's that statistic somewhere out there so it's not technically a lie whereas with bernie madoff he was intentionally specifically misleading people and 110 percent lying to them and he was aware of but was he lying because a lot of those people got their money plus some back but then a lot of people didn't get any money <laughs> i'm not defending the man i'm just playing devil's advocate here <laughs> i don't think bernie madoff deserves to get off <laughs> do you, are you trying to, do you have a bridge to sell me? Because that's what it's starting to feel like. 
I, I can sell you a bridge. I could probably... Not, are you looking for a 28 soft? You still on that? I got a program typed up for 28 soft. I am still on 28 soft, yes. Uh, the only time I have cheated, I'm on day... Let's see. Uh, six, nine. I'm on day nine right now of 28 soft. So yeah. approximately a third of the way through. I've lost uh, about 10 pounds so far. Okay. Uh, but most, uh, like, a, a good six pounds of that was due bloat from my trip to yeah. Omaha. So yeah. I, I would say I've lost maybe four or five real pounds in the last week. And I've, I've been really strict on it. I've been only eating mostly one meal a day, sticking to around 1,000 to 1,200 calories. Uh, Lauren and I have ridden our bikes at least probably 20 miles, uh, 20 or 25 miles in the last week and a half. Okay. You know, I'm walking with Ma uh, Macklin. I, he's in obedience school right now, so I'm still doing 28 soft. Um, but I, I totally lost my train of thought as to where this was going. What, what did you ask? Well, that's why I set myself up for this because I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie a bow on it right here. All right, please. So let me differentiate between what Bernie Madoff did and a car salesman. Okay, keep those two plots in your mind. All right. Okay. Now, what happens when you walk into, like, uh, I'm going to throw a couple names under the bus here, GNC, and they tell you, buy these fat burner pills, you don't have to do shit, and you're going to lose 30 pounds in your first month. That is flat out lying. That is flat out lying. There's no, there's no regulation in the supplement industry whatsoever, and it's a $5 billion industry. So there's a lot of money being thrown around. Yet there's no checks and balances. There's no checks and balances. It's entirely a lie. I'm not saying all their products are a lie, but there is 0% chance that you put a clear pill that you can see through into your body and it burns visceral fat. 0% chance. Yet dummies every day, men, women, high school age kids, go in there hoping that it's going to get them cut while they're sitting at their desk typing on their computer. Full well knowing that it's not going to work. So, so what I'm hearing right now is you're telling me the pills I'm taking aren't going to make me look like Dwayne Johnson. There's <laughs> from, you know, like Nutri-Boom or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Nutri-Boom is a great name. Uh, I'm going to invent something called Nutriboom. It's going to be a fat burner pill that you can't see through because I'm going to fill it just full of dog shit. And I'm going to give it to people and say, don't mind the taste. It's organic. $5 billion. How is that any different from selling a car or doing what Bernie Madoff did? I think they're just straight up lying. There's no regulation. I think in if Bernie Madoff had a storefront, could he have gotten away with it? If he had like Edward Jones backing him, could he have gotten away with it? Because that's what that's what these supplement companies do. They have a name defending them, and they're and they're selling literally hopes and dreams. All he had to do was not guarantee them a return and not guarantee them as a larger return. If he said, "Hey, I'm going to take your money and invest it. I'm going to try and get you the best possible return," but sometimes market fluctuations cause loss in market value. He'd have been perfectly fine, and he'd still be out there managing money today. Because a lot. So he got cocky with it. So he got cocky with it. He got cocky, saying, "I can promise you a twenty-five percent return." 
while meanwhile taking some off the top for himself to make himself richer, and then in order to cover his ass when he promised a 25% return that he couldn't actually get, he had to go out and sell that to other people, and then use their money to pay the 25% return. There was never any investing. That's the same exact business model that GNC follows every single day. I don't really cocky, tells you 100% that it works, marks it up 600%, and then pries on people that have hopes and dreams, and just washes money out from them, from underneath them. Believe me, you're not, I don't know, man. You do not have to convince me. I 100% agree with you. And that's so committing a crime, as we have learned, you have to you have to toe a line. You have to walk that line. You're like a freaking flying Walinda, man, walking that tightrope between Las Vegas hotels. So at this point, would we not both agree that GNC has committed the perfect crime? I mean, how long have they been in business? How many times have they filed for bankruptcy in the last 10 years? At, at least three. Chapter 11 restructuring or whatever it is. Chapter 11's out of business. Chapter 7, I believe, is restructuring and remarketing your business. So basically, they wipe themselves clean of all the debts every five or 10 years, start fresh, but they sell the same exact products in new containers with new packaging. And then they say, oh, but this new formula is guaranteed to help you lose 30 pounds in a month. They say guarantee right on the packaging. Go in there right now. I'll go I'll go buy a canister of Fit Tea and show you. All Fit Tea does is make you crap your brains out uncomfortably for like two weeks. So can you tell me where GNC was founded and what year they were founded? I want to say it was probably late 70s, early 80s. And in Columbus, Ohio, because it just seems like a shady city. Damn. Yeah, but it's been it's been restructured and rebranded and bought and sold, corporate incorporated, all kinds of stuff. David Chakarian realized his dream by establishing a little health food store called Laxoon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, okay. Apparently, Laxoon has. They specialized in yogurt, a food that his father helped introduce into the United States, but also sold other healthy foods such as honey grains and healthy sandwiches. Whatever the hell that is. It's called a salad. Yeah, even though health food was thought to be a passing fad back then, people welcomed his store. And although his first day's receipts only totaled $35, he was able to go on to make enough money to open a second location six months later. It only took him six months in 1935 to open a second fucking GNC in Pittsburgh, more than likely. Not bad. He's targeting those steel workers, man. They work hard all day long. They probably probably pudge up a little bit, you know, in the winter months when they're drinking beer and eating whatever they eat in Pittsburgh. I don't know, like a meatball sub. Corn beef and cabbage mostly, I assume. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say. Like a meatball sub is what I think of when I think of Pittsburgh. Well, probably the Philly cheesesteak. I mean, you think of Pennsylvania, you think about Philadelphia. Yeah, but Philly and Pittsburgh, I think, are like arch rivals. Like, I'm pretty sure I it's... I really don't know. You've got, what, the Flyers and the Penguins? Yep. 
Yep, I'm glad you went to hockey with that and not and not to the Eagles Steelers in the NFL or the Pirates and it's just the Pirates, right? The Phillies. Oh, Philadelphia right. Phillies. Oh, oh, Philadelphia. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, we're gonna have a sports episode here coming up. It's gonna be great. You could be the statistic guy. We'll we'll crunch some numbers leading into it, and then we'll just go way nerdy on them. But uh, no, but, uh, to, no. To, to, to wrap this all back into the original topic, I think yeah. that companies like GNC and like Tupperware and you know like Avon, Avon, you know, I think all of those have committed the perfect match. Uh, a pyramid scheme? It's not a pyramid scheme. It's multi-level marketing. It's multi-level marketing, exactly. Or you could go as far as to say Scientology, Mormonism, has committed the perfect crime because there's a lot of money there, and that's kind of a cult, depending on how you look at it. But nobody's stopping them. Oh, you're walking a thin line there. Ooh, what about what about the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, where they wear colanders on their head? I think that's uh, probably just as valid a church as Mormonism. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I'm kidding. That is a joke to all my Mormon well, friends. Well, we just exiled an entire religion from watching our podcast. That's fantastic. Especially considering uh, I have a couple friends who are Mormon that we're going to be one of the only people that were watching this anyway. So now they're not like, well, these guys, except they can't say that. So they just say, have a good day and wait, but kind of passive aggressive. Oh man. We got, we got pretty hot and bothered with GNC there. Yeah. GNC is just a liar. It doesn't matter whether you're the supplement store or GNC or your Sensi or it's all snake oil, essentially. You're all selling snake oil. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Let's say in your town, there's five grocery stores. Now, you're in search of... Five different chains or just five stores owned by the same... Five, five different chains. Five different chains. And you're in search of, mm, let's say tomatoes. How come at one store, according to federal law, price gouging is illegal, but at one store, tomatoes by the pound is a dollar thirty-five. At one store, tomatoes by the pound is a dollar sixty-nine. The next store, two twelve by the pound. Fourth store. 240 and then that fifth store if they slap an organic sticker on it then you're talking 350 a pound yeah 354 bucks a pound for tomatoes which all are coming from the same distribution center which are all coming think of potatoes down in boise right like potatoes are going to all these different grocery stores yet the potatoes at whole foods are going to be triple what you get them for at a and B grocery down the street or whatever it may be. Yeah. How uh, is price gouging not, I, I guess like, how is it not persecuted more than anything else? Like supplement stores, like what? Price gouging has to be 
has to be above and beyond. Like, basically, it has to be A, like, completely out of the question, nobody would ever pay that, and B, it has to be the only source of whatever they're selling that should be more publicly available. Because I guess, okay. you know, yeah. at Costco, it's going to be 10 cents cheaper than at Fred Meyers, which is going to be 10 cents cheaper than Chevron. You know, and yeah. that's, that's not necessarily price gouging because you could always go to those other places generally. Like Costco, you have to be a member to buy there. But it's the same thing with, you know, the, the produce that you're saying. Like, well, if you want other tomatoes that are cheaper, you can always go to Walmart. It's a store that's open to the public and you can buy the 88 cent tomatoes. Or you can go to Albertsons where you know they're going to be two bucks a pound. But you believe that there's some quality increase there or something because Albertsons has marketed and convinced you that somehow their produce is better. When in reality, the best produce is always a cost. If you ever watched the TV series Mad Men, you know all about marketing and advertising. Back in the 50s. So. It is amazing what we as consumers have been convinced, you know. It's just... We, we believe, like we Santa Claus, like they, Santa say, they say, is, is partially made up by the Coca-Cola company. Coca-Cola. Like, essentially, like essentially, there was always a Saint always Nick a Saint or something Nick like, like that. Something like but that. the actual yeah. modern-day modern image of Santa Claus Santa that we think Claus, of, the red suit, you ever thought about why his suit is red? You ever thought about what the main color in Coca-Cola, you know, their product offering is? Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's just, I mean, things like random holidays. Which have been which so have popularized, been so popularized by, Hallmark by Hallmark or, you know, other you know, stationary and greeting cards. You know, just you know, marketing. marketing. Diamonds. Diamonds. De Beers has run one, has run one of the truly, truly best truly advertising best campaigns advertising over the last hundred years in convincing us that diamonds are worth diamonds thousands of dollars when in reality... The world global supply of diamonds is so high that if they were to release the entire global supply of diamonds that they have, they would be virtually worthless. But But for some reason, they have been ingrained in our head that it's this mystical rock that no one can get their hands on. Yep. 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 It's it's amazing what the internet, or not the internet, what advertising that, yeah, advertising as a whole. You could argue that advertising is the perfect crime, then, because that is, I mean, that that's basically at the root of the GNCs that we were talking about, of the yeah. nature sunshine vitamins that goes along with GNC at the heart of Sensi and essential oils, and then beyond that, you know, even Tupperware, just all these things. It's all just advertising. Yeah, so, so absolutely. Someone, instead of you forcefully you taking their money, the perfect time is convincing them to give you their money in exchange right. for in exchange some good or service good which you determined the price on, and it has nothing to do with the actual materials and labor that go into that product. For some reason, you have convinced someone to give you an exorbitant amount of money for a product that has basically no intrinsic value. So, if, so, in that respect, in that you, could respect you could argue Bitcoin, you could argue, you could argue basically any basically cryptocurrency any that has no real value, you could argue 
you know, supplements, you could argue diamonds, I don't care what it is. But the ability to convince people to give you their hard-earned cash for a worthless product is probably the perfect product. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think we're going to put the cherry on top right there. We talked a lot about uh, committing the perfect crime, committing crimes in our past that are now uh, absolved by the statute of limitations. Uh, we talked about Bernie Madoff, a fair share. We talked about the ripoff that is uh, supplement companies and um, grocery stores. What else did we talk about? Why women are infatuated with true crime podcasts? Not just podcasts, I guess, true crime in general. But let, me, let me say one thing before we sign off. Uh, yeah. Actually depressed a friend of mine recently because he... Okay. Really this should be a good note to end on. I, I hope it is. Because uh, it goes back to exactly what we were talking about with DNC being uh, And that is the fact that he has been running, you know, marathons and he has been working out and he still has this problem with large man boobs, if you will. Okay. And he has been really dieting and exercising, and he's lost almost all his fat everywhere else on his body, but his chest, the fat's still there. And uh, he learned very recently that Dwayne The Rock Johnson apparently needed liposuction from his pecs, because even though he was in great shape, there was still apparently a layer of fat that needed to be sucked out so you could see the muscle. I mean, obviously, he has enormous chest. Yeah. But if even but somebody if even as somebody amazingly has fit and genetically, genetically prone to being, um, you know, being, a monster you know, like that, monster like that, like that, that or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, American Samoan or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If even Dwayne Rock Johnson can't get, you know, a, a flat chest with no, you know, fat, visceral fat, like, right. what, what are the chances what that the I can do something like that? Something and like that, that is the thought that GNC prays on, right there. You can look like Dwayne Johnson like that. And that's the same thing that Bertie Madoff did. I can guarantee you a 25% return, you don't even have to do anything. All these things are just empty promises. It's true. It's true. So we touched on empty promises. We touched on GNC and Bernie Madoff and true crime, committing the perfect crime. Hopefully you guys like what you heard. If you did, you're probably already watching this. Uh, but if you're listening, swing on over to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel and watch it. And if you're watching, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and uh, do your thing. Leave us a leave us a review on, on Apple Podcasts. I think you just five-star us, and it helps boost us to the top of the podcast charts. That way more people see us. So I guess we're going to sign off right there. Hopefully you guys have a good week. We'll be back next week with a new topic. We'll probably let you guys know ahead of time if we decide to go live so you guys can interact. Hopefully we get that lined up. So... With that said, I am signing off. This is Jake. That's Dan. We are the Bullshitters.